Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Man of the Heart, where we bring you heartfelt, educational, positive stories, all to elevate your spirit. I am your host, Carol Olivia, and always thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to the Man of the Heart. Uh, I'm sure all of us are aware of the COVID-19 situation, and, uh, and many of us hear statistics. I think that the news media is wonderful with statistics. They get an Oscar award. But um, uh, what about the person, the human being, the frontline worker, the frontline health worker? Well, the topic of the show is heroes, frontline health workers, the COVID-19, and the guest is Brenda Pierce. Brenda is an RN with 37 years of experience as a frontline nurse. She has taught and trained frontline essential caregivers as well as worked in various roles in healthcare. She is an author, a podcaster, and also a, a TV show producer and host on a regional TV show in Canada. She believes in integrative approaches to health, wellness, and I love her quote, all health is cell health. Welcome, Brenda. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Carol. Hi, everyone. It's nice to spend this time with you all. What is a frontline, uh, you know, health worker, uh, Brenda? What does frontline mean? We hear that all the time, but maybe some of us don't quite have that, you know, the insight into that. Well, Carol, you know, that's true, you know, because when you hear frontline, you think of soldiers facing the front and mm -hmm. um, um, standing on guard and protecting their territory, um, kind of like that with healthcare, because every day we know, don't know what we're going to be exposed to, and no two days in healthcare are ever the same, because we're working with the human condition, right? So um, we all change from moment to moment, and we never know when our last day here on this planet is going to be. And we want to make sure that we live fully and, and as healthy as possible right up until that last moment. Mm. So I think anybody who's brave enough to, to uh, stand on the front line in healthcare, where, whether it be, you know, the, um, the assistants, uh, nursing assistants, uh, we call them PSWs here in Canada, the uh, various degrees of uh, educational preparation for the various nursing professions, doctors, um, you know, not only that, but even housekeepers, um, you know, the dietary staff that help to make mm -hmm. the nutritious food, um, you know, anybody who is in service, um, you know, to help humanity be its best in any moment is the front line. Hmm. And I know we were talking um, briefly before, and I think that was so interesting because in America, uh, we we envision bars on beds, and you were mentioning, um, uh, Brenda. Give us the insight. There's no bars. Yeah. So I'm a uh, currently um, during my career, I've done so many different things. But the last um, the last uh, hurrah, so to speak, in my my healthcare profession is working in long term care, and um, you know it in. You know, when you think of long-term care, you think of old people lying in beds with bars and restraints and straps and, you know, being held down and being, um, and that's not the case. Um, here in Ontario, um, there is actually legislature that um, through our Ministry of Health that has um, prohibited 
in all 625 long-term care facilities, the use of bed rails mm. as a means of keeping people in bed and restraints, anything that inhibits the uh, freedom of mobility has been removed because of the um, heightened risk of injury that these things provide, such as when bed rails are up, people tend to try to crawl over them, mm. um, and um, there's a heightened risk mm. of um, entrapment between the rails, um, death because of injuries related to falls from these rails being in place. Um, beds are lowered when people are in them and um, down to the floor level, and falls mats are beside the bed, so it creates a soft landing place. Um, there are no physical restraints allowed unless um, absolutely needed. And both the doctor and the family are signing off on legal documents to put those in place. So um, that's not uh, the standard of care here. Hmm. Very interesting. One, um, you know, you mentioned long-term care. Is there any number? For, what does it mean? Long-term care meaning six months? You know, what... What does that mean, exactly mean? Well, most times, um, a very small percentage of the senior population, and as you know, we're you know the 50 plus or 55 plus age group is the majority of people here on planet Earth now, and especially in North America. And you know, most people envision um, you know living life to the full, retirement, and then getting sick and ending up in a long-term care or nursing home facility. Mm -hmm. But that just isn't the truth. The fact is, um, statistically, only 25% of the senior population end up in long-term care. And, um, you know, and, and really, honestly, anybody, you ask anybody in long-term care as a resident, they simply would never have chosen to be there. So, you know, it's usually the accommodation of last choice, especially as, um, you know, we are um, statistically, um, you know, as of, 2017, one in two people in North America will experience cancer in their lifetime. That's just a stat. Um, it was projected for 2020. Um, so, you know, most people, as we get into those golden years, um, experience um, not just getting old and, and thinking that, you know, it's, it's getting decrepit, getting forgetful, wetting themselves. That sort of thing is a normal expectation of being a senior, but it isn't um, actually um, you know, so when people do get into long-term care, there's usually a myriad of comorbidities, we call them. Mm -hmm. So it's not just one, one disease process that brings them in. It's usually a number of things that um, impact body, mind, and spirit, mm -hmm. and um, that bring them into long-term care. Mm -hmm. So, um, and oftentimes, too, if there's nobody there to help them at all, um, mm -hmm. they've out use their uh, community resources and that sort of thing, then that's like the last resort mm -hmm. is long-term care. Mm. And you mentioned um, um, body, mind, and spirit. So a, um, I'm curious, in, in the uh, Canadian hospitals, and, and of course there's different areas of Canada, do they uh, practice mindfulness or um, integrate, you know? I think there's definitely a movement more to that, mm -hmm. yeah. You know, because, you know, Maslow said it best. And I remember right. my very first day of nurses training, you know, 37 years ago, 39 years ago, when I first, you know, sat down in a, in a college situation to start this, this career path, um, was Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Man is a psychosocial, spiritual, physical right. being. 
And, uh, and that's what we learned the very first day. And then we spent two years just dissecting everything out of that mm-hmm. and piecemealing it. So um, I think our, 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 um, our, we're just really getting back to realizing that spirituality is more than just a religious practice. Mm-hmm. And um, there is a movement more to, um, they're finding that people with cognitive decline, if they mm-hmm. start to practice meditation and mindfulness, Mm-hmm. They actually improve the neuroplasticity of their mind and brain. Oh, that's very interesting. So maybe it helps to focus. Is it, it, does it create more focusing in the mind? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, just focus and getting back in touch with themselves. Because, mm-hmm. again, you know, we act and react to the stimulation around us. But really, um, the best safest, kindest place to be is inside yourself and, mm-hmm. and meditating and, and finding that peace, mm-hmm. especially when you're in a, a communal situation like long-term care. Mm. So have any of them um, opened up to you or anybody that you know of as far as their spiritual uh, partnership or their um, any type of insight with that? Yeah, you know, if if religious practice or spirituality or yoga or whatever it is that that you find peace within yourself with, um, as a younger person, um, definitely, you know, there are different things you can do um, as you age and as you get into um, seniorhood and and especially when you get into the communal situation of long term care, um, you know, there there is more of a movement all the time. Um, there's things like laughter yoga, which is really cool that um, is coming in vogue, um, you know, and, um, you know, basically anything that's mindful, which is when you concentrate and lose yourself into is mindfulness. So, you know, somebody uh, coloring, you know, coloring can create mindfulness, mm-hmm. um, you know, music, clapping, um, rhythm, um, you know, just um you know, there's so many different ways to find that mindfulness that makes them happy. And you watch people, seniors, and you see them and you think, oh, well, you know, they're declining. You have to feed them. You have to bathe them. You have to change their brief because they're incontinent and all this sort of thing. And you think, wow, you know, but you put them in a group where there is some mindfulness happening and you see a whole completely different side to them. Um, there's even in cognitive declining people who are wandering and confused and rather caught up in their past and anxieties that are overriding their um, day-to-day experience. Um, For instance, um, one lady who wanders and wanders and wanders, um, when you say to her, okay, come with me, let's get you ready for bed and we're going to say our prayers, you know, and sitting down and letting her, holding her hand and letting her say her prayers what peace comes over that woman and then allows you to lay this lady down and tuck her in for the night. Whereas otherwise she's pacing around for hours and hours and hours lost. Oh, that's a beautiful story. You know, she felt comforted or maybe it created more inner security. Yeah. And that's what it's all about, right? Security. Yeah. Yeah. Well, inner security with the unknown, because as you said, uh, you don't know from day to day, what's going to happen. The unknown of it. You know, no. so how do you deal with that, uh, Brenda? You know, because you don't know from day to day. I mean, is it moment to moment? How do you psychologically deal with that? You have to kind of deal with that yourself. You have to have a strong sense of living in the moment of now. 
mm-hmm. as opposed to, to worrying about the past and letting the anxiety of the past override your color of what you see the future as being. In any moment of now as a, as a nurse, I, I always look at the next moment with fresh eyes and being open to the experience of what it brings. And when you do that, as opposed to being too anchored in the past or too forward focused, um, you're ready. You're more supercharged and ready to take on whatever comes your way. And that's what I do to prepare myself. Mm-hmm. Well, you're emptying the cup of water you feel, and you're filling it up with a new moment. So with your, all of your experiences, uh, Brenda, how do you value, how do you look at life? What is your wisdom of life uh, after seeing so many, while you see so many people going through, you know, certainly challenging health situations? What, well, what can know, we learn from you, Brenda? Well, the thing is, though, you know, life can be either a grand adventure or a grave tragedy, and it's a choice. And, um, you know, and obviously, you know, where I am right now, I'm in the latter half of my 50s, 50s. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of life come and go through my own personal experiences and, um, you know, losing a child, um, you know, going through divorce, losing a parent, you know, um, you know, starting fresh and being open to each new experience and not, you know, letting, you know, letting love guide your heart you know, rather than fear. Because if you come from a fearful place and you react and react to every fearful experience you ever had in your life, then you you put yourself in a box. But when you come from a place of love, you're raising your vibrational set point. Mm-hmm. It colors your world differently and it ripples out to those around you, not only to your family members and friends, but to those you serve in the front line. And um, so, you know, um, I think that it's really important to and especially now, you know, we're all in this, this weird, funky time, this new norm that's being created around us, and we don't even have a choice because we are having so much um, imposed on us in terms of uh, social distancing and, um, you know, all this sort of thing that's going on with, with this crisis. Um, when you come from a place of fear, you know, it really does inhibit your ability to look at the next moment because you're holding yourself back. It's like you're sucking in your wind and you're holding your breath. But when you come from a place of love, mm-hmm. love, like they say, angels go where, where uh, the devil, um, angels go where the devil doesn't want to trod, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you basically are lifting your wings and you're experiencing life as opposed to um, letting life flow at you, you're letting life flow through you. And that's a whole different thing, um, you know, and, and, and I think that it's time for us to really come from more of a place of love and watch the world ripple out in a different way. There's the Institute of Heart Math. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, Carol. No, I haven't. I'm sorry. Yeah, what is it? Yeah. So there's this thing called... Um, for your audience, the hundred monkey syndrome. And I don't know if you've heard of that one before, but uh, basically what's happened is uh, there were scientists a while back that studied monkeys in a very isolated part of the world in an island. And we know that there's monkeys on, you know, many continents here and, and countries on the earth. And, but it was interesting because when they changed the way monkeys open, um, fed bananas, 
for instance, instead of getting them and opening them up and eating them, they were shown how to wash a banana before they opened it. And then what happened was once that population of monkeys did this new procedure with washing their bananas in the water and then eating them, surprisingly enough, colonies of monkeys on other parts of the world started doing the same thing. It's just like when um, Bannister did the four-minute mile. It took a long time. Nobody had done the four-minute mile, but once he broke that four-minute barrier, Mm -hmm. many people started doing four-minute miles and even faster. So that's the 100-monkey syndrome. Once something becomes more of a conscious awareness in a part of the population, it moves forward and ripples out. So the Institute of Heart Math was um, developed. Mm-hmm. Basically, they have um, they have um, sensors in various parts of the world that measure frequencies of the Earth's uh, magnetic core, mm-hmm. and um, can tell when there's a higher resonance of energy of group energy that is responding in kind to this like this hundred monkey syndrome, because um, for instance, when um, there were monks in uh, Tibet and there was mm-hmm. a gathering of monks and with a specific purpose of meditating on, on, um, on a certain topic, mm-hmm. then the, the people, the consciousness around those people changed in terms of there was heightened um, sense of love and security, decreased crime, decreased murders, decreased rapes. So, um, so this is why I'm saying love, really is something we need to focus on because the Institute of Heart Math has proven over and over again. You can look it up. You can find out more about this. But um, changing the way you choose to experience life around you is a conscious choice. And when you make that choice to change, mm-hmm. everything changes around you, mm. including health, mm-hmm. including a sense of well-being, mm-hmm. um, safety. It ripples around and it can make a big difference. So even if um, I, I, as a nurse, am working in an environment where there is increased risk of, say, COVID disease, and I'm working with a population of elderly people who are at heightened risk just because of them being in, um, secluded in a, an environment where they have all these comorbidities, mm-hmm. if more of the care team come from a place of love and really wanting to work together and really share this, Mm-hmm. they can actually uh, reduce the risk of disease mm-hmm. affecting their, their population that they're taking care of. Mm, oh, I believe that. It increases the immune system. That's right. Increases you know? your immune system and it also increases them. It's like the buddy-buddy system. Right, right. Well, it's right. And the heart opens up, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Right. And that and, takes me mm-hmm. into the whole thing about um, all health is cell health. Mm-hmm. And um, which is really, really interesting because a lot of people in healthcare are worried about symptom management. You know, what mm-hmm. symptoms are like blood sugars are elevated, your blood pressure is mm-hmm. this, your heart mm-hmm. rate is that. Right. This means this, 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 and this, and you're probably be on this, 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 that drug. So the thing is, though, if in our day of being Y fried, okay, mm-hmm. the frequencies that are all around us, are actually having a great effect on our ability to naturally regenerate ourselves and live in a healthy manner. Mm -hmm. So this has been proven time and time again. There's there's a lot of um, information out there that people can explore. 
But if your cells are not resonating in proper frequency and your think, thinking process has a big, like we talked about, role in this, but if you are not in proper frequency with your cells, then your body is less able to ward off disease. And so it's proper frequency and proper resonance of your cell charge in your body because we're electromagnetic batteries is important as well. Mm-hmm. And people are just starting to open up and be aware of this as well. Well, you know, that's fine. I, you know, I, I got this other thought with when you're mentioning loving energy with, um, with patients, it's also uh, taking out their fear because fear it does a number on the stress level for, I would think on the immune system. Mm-hmm. So it kind of blocks that out or maybe less, less intense. That's true. Yeah, because again, everything is an energetic frequency, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and um, and so um, it's like wanting to listen to 101.3, but you're tuned into 98.7. It just isn't going to happen unless you change your, your resonance up to 101.3, then you're going to hear the beautiful music of life all around you. So it's, it's like that. And, uh, and, you know, who are we to think that we are so different? And, and, and not uh, responding to frequencies all around us. Right. And I'm thinking, you know, we're choosing the mood that connects to our heart at the time. That's right. That's I know right. When, when, we're, when we're changing, we might not be aware of it, you know, uh, on the radio, you know, music. Uh, we can become mechanical just switching the, uh, the station. But why are we picking certain music at the time? Yeah, yeah. So music is an elevation of mood for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you listen to the choices of music that you're picking, yes, and, mm-hmm. and see how that's affecting you. Because um, Einstein said this, and when I really embraced this years ago, it changed mm-hmm. everything and really opened me up is, what is the definition of insanity? And that is doing the same thing over and over again, mm-hmm. expecting a different outcome. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just not going to happen, right? You get, if you watch and you see how you're doing certain things and the same things are showing up in your life and you're not happy, mm-hmm. then it's not them that has to change. It's you that has to change. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, no, and he was brilliant, you know. Yeah. Um, do you have, I'm curious, um, Brenda, do you have a story um, of an elderly person um, with the COVID, uh, you know, nineteen, because I, uh, I think I read somewhere recently actually that a woman was 102, and she survived it. Do you have any story that can that you can tell us that um, I don't like to use the word miracle because I'm not sure if that's the right word. You know, that was unexpected as far as survival. Well, in terms of um, again the COVID thing. Okay, so mm-hmm. COVID is. Like in in the province of Ontario, and there's like, you know, the uh, province of Ontario, the population of Canada could fit into the city of Chicago. So, you know, um, our numbers are very small compared to, in comparison or relatability to U.S. numbers. Mm -hmm. But um, basically, like there were 252 people diagnosed with COVID today Mm -hmm. on the news in the whole province of Ontario. And um, um, there are, um, it was on the news today um, that 
um, in our province, actually, there have been a couple of long-term care homes mm-hmm. that um, early into the COVID thing, the staff and the residents were starting to come down with COVID and there were staff dying and residents dying and this sort of thing. And then staff fled, left these buildings. And the military had to actually step in and start to give care um, to a number of residents in long-term care facilities here in the province. Mm-hmm. And um, those those homes, there were a lot of issues. And, and um, right now there's been scathing reports from the military about deplorable um, circumstances in some of these long-term care homes. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not the majority of homes. Mm-hmm. And in my particular home that I work in, um, we actually have been um, COVID-free. Staff have been COVID-free. Mm-hmm. And um, so I have no COVID stories to share in particular mm-hmm. um, from my own particular experience. But I must say, though, um, you know, in the fall, people stick up their arms and get their flu shots, and some do and some don't. But the majority of people are um, vaccinated regarding um, influenza A and B, which is decided by the CDC a couple of years ago mm-hmm. as what the most likely condition would be this year. So um, surprisingly enough, there has been no influenza A or B in relationship to what was vaccinated for. Mm-hmm. So this COVID is actually the flu. Mm-hmm. And oh, um, as you know, the flu is a virus right. and this is a virus and a virus is a non-living entity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, um, you know, there, there are people who experienced COVID and um, if it wasn't that they were tested, would never have known that they, they had COVID, mm-hmm. uh, COVID-19. So the coronavirus is, is a number of viruses that usually last for about a year, year and a half, and then disappear. Um, you know, so right now, massive testing is exposing more people who would maybe never know that they had COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and the thing is, though, there are some people who um, who succumb to it from whatever age group, and um, and that includes healthcare workers, as we mm-hmm. know, um, and um, those that we care for. Um, but oftentimes, that's why it is most virulent in long-term care because those people are usually very immune suppressed already and, um, mm-hmm. and succumb to it. But I mean, there are miracles every day. There's a miracle. And if it isn't your time to die, right. then you embrace the fact that rejoice that you are here. And I know my own, my own self a few years back, I've had two near death experiences where I nearly died and, and it was, clearly not my time and I'm here. Mm-hmm. So every day that I wake up, I think, thank God, thank you for another chance to give a kick at the can. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's one of the things that's coming out of this too, is the sheer appreciation for life. A lot of people are, you know, really honoring healthcare professionals as heroes because they have a greater renewed appreciation for the basics of life. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, you know, and, and if anything, this has been a beautiful reset for a lot of people's perspectives on living life and the gift of life and health. Well, you know, also just connecting to the word life. Yeah. Because a lot of times we're doing our mechanics every day, you know, without the appreciation of health. That's right. Right. You know, 
we uh, we remember we have a heart when we have a heart attack. You know, when something happens to an organ, then we realize that we were <laughs> we were born with certain organs. So I think what's happening and it's universal and certainly give me your beautiful insight is that um, there's more, uh, it's gotta be universal, more of a connection to, uh, to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see that, you know, family members, um, families have had a chance to reconnect, especially if they have children and they've been mm-hmm. home and homeschooling and spending time with mm-hmm. their family as a nuclear unit the way it was intended to be, not separated with all these, you know, distractions. Right. I think that, you know, a lot of people, I know, um, for instance, one story is a gentleman about, oh, early April, early April, I decided to put a, a retractable awning on the back of my house and and, um, the, and it was just really hitting and, and this guy came out to do the measurements and to give mm-hmm. me the estimate. And he was fear ridden. He was like, stay back. Don't come near me. Mm-hmm. I will put the uh, uh, estimate on this chair. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you know, and he, you could just see fear in his face. Mm-hmm. His whole business was impacted because he couldn't pro- do his business. And, um, and he was working. He had a, um, a huge gang of people he was overseeing. And he was um, working in his office at his place of business. And he has a young family at home. Mm-hmm. Fast forward. So I got the estimate and then I called and I said, okay, when this is all settled down, I want the awning. And they came two weeks ago and put it up. And when that particular man came to the door, I said, my gosh, what happened? You look like a brand new man. He looks so relaxed. Even the hair color looked better, healthier. He glowed. He says, well, I got to tell you, this has really been a blessing in disguise. He said, I've set up a home office. I work from home now. I um, don't, I um, get up when my kids get up and I'm there with them until they, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. time that they either go to school or, you know, get busy with their stuff. And then I go do my work from my office. I can Mm -hmm. still manage everything from my office at home. And he says, I get to spend time with my kids. Mm -hmm. And he was like Mm -hmm. transfixed. He says, I never realized. Mm -hmm how mm-hmm. I was um, destroying my family and my health and myself living and working the way I was doing. So I was just so thrilled and so happy for him. Mm. And he was so happy and grateful. Mm-hmm. That's so, a great story. You know, there's, right. there's these kinds of things happening every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's forcing each individual to look at themselves in the mirror and their priorities of life and maybe... Um, what next, you know, as opposed to their old patterns. I mean, it certainly is creating new patterns for everybody. Yeah. Um, and um, maybe, I don't know, maybe quality of new patterns that they never would have pursued before. I mean, because one constant thing, as you know, in life is change. That's but this right. is a dramatic change, you know, for everybody, unfortunately, that has to go through this you know, the, um, the, the health aspect of it. But it's also, to me, very psychological. Yeah. You know, it's very psychological. I just think that that is just as powerful as the physical with some people, you know? 
Well, it's interesting, Carol, because, you know, the thing is, how many people were like hamsters in the wheel saying, geez, I wish I could have some time off. I mm-hmm. wish I could change my life. I wish, I wish, I wish. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Your wish came true. Mm. Right. That's interesting. Right. And then they have to uh, delve inside and decide what to do about it. You know, that's why the, the creative spirit, I think, is very important at this time. You know, rather than the mechanics, you know, the creative spirit to me could be the survival. Einstein said, what, imagination is more important than knowledge. You know, the imagination of it, the creativity, the spirit of it, maybe as things that we've never even thought of um, uh, to pursue. So in in that way, in the environment, you know, there's so many shifts of energies that um, unbeknownst to us in a spirit, you know. Yeah, exactly. Well, the interesting thing is um, for people that have been given the gift Mm -hmm. of time off and and chance to reset, it's a time to really look at how do you want to live going forward? What are your passions Mm -hmm. and how can you start to pursue them today? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, if you keep putting it off till tomorrow, tomorrow will never be here. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, for myself, um, I, you know, I, I, um, even though I'm working and working more now, um, you know, and, and as staff go off for, mm-hmm. you know, COVID testing and that sort of thing, I'm, my hours have picked up, but, um, definitely, um, you know, I, 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 I'm pursuing, um, a course that I, I started just before this all started. And, and mm-hmm. I see this as my next up my second act so to speak mm-hmm. is is becoming a rapid transformational therapist which is just amazing work mm-hmm. um and um i'm working on a book project right now mm-hmm. called the secret child life after loss and a friend of mine and i uh had talked about doing this book series um for several years because we both lost children Mm-hmm. And now we are starting, actually, we've gotten the contribute, contributed stories and uh, the foreword has been written and, uh, mm-hmm. and we're starting to put this book together and it's, it's going to be magnificent in how we can help others mm-hmm. who've gone through child loss to get past being stuck with the pain mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to move on to the gift and legacy of love. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's really looking at well, look, you're looking at uh, uh, universal pain, uh, pain with child loss, pain with the COVID-19, pain with a divorce or pain, you know, uh, it goes on and on. Universal pain. I'm, yeah. I'm picking up, Brenda, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And moving into that place of love. Yes. Kicking in that higher vibration, which is there. It's just, it's just not nurturing ourselves to get to it. Yes, and knowing that you are enough because there are so mm-hmm. many things that condition us into limiting ourselves and feeling that mm-hmm. we're less than who we really are and realizing we are exactly who we've been waiting for in our life mm-hmm. and that we have everything that we need. Mm-hmm. Self-empowerment. Yep. Well, this could be also enhancing our self-empowerment because uh, when we're not doing the mechanics, we're delving much more into us, ourselves, everybody. And that's all about self-empowerment because we, we do the mechanics of life. We're not even, I think, in touch with who we, are, we really are, you know, uh, our truest self, our truest self-confidence, um, self-esteem, 
So, you know, we're trying to look at it in a positive way psychologically as well, you know? Exactly. Well, thank you, Brenda Pierce. Thank you so very much. We certainly appreciate you, Brenda. Well, it's been a wonderful experience to be connected with you, Carol, and, um, you know, in this community. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm, I'm forever enriched for this experience. Thank you. Oh, thank you again, Brenda. Thank you. And you've been listening to The Matter of the Heart. Which makes sense, right, Brenda? The heart? Absolutely. I couldn't think of a better title for a beautiful podcast. (laughs) And uh, I've been your host, Carol Olivia. Thanks for listening, everyone.